Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 27 is entitled, The Mind of God. The book of Genesis gives us a clear picture of our creation. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave man the following attributes. 1. God created man in his own image. 2. God created man after his likeness. 3. God gave man dominion over the earth. 4. God created male and female. 5. God blessed all mankind. 6. God commanded man to multiply and replenish the earth. That sets us apart from all animals. When science tells us that we are animals, science uses false analogy. False analogy is to extend a comparison beyond its logical boundaries. It would be more accurate to say that man has some similarities to animals or animals have some similarities to man, but they are not the same. Man is not an animal. We are children of God. As Peter tells us, Second Peter 1, 3-4, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Among other things, God gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness, knowledge of God, a calling to glory and virtue, exceeding and precious promises, a divine nature, a moral conscience. Those attributes are denied to animals. Not only did God give us a divine nature, but according to God's own divine power, he gave all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge of God. We are called both to glory, which refers to exaltation with God in the holy city, New Jerusalem, and to virtue, which are the divine attributes of Christ. The key is knowledge. Unlike animals, we are given to know the mind and will of God. We are very complex beings. We learn things through many avenues. 1. 
We have five senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, and feel. Two, we have a mind that understands reasoning and logic and law. Three, we have a heart that senses the divinity within and is in tune with spiritual things. Four, we have a living, immortal spirit that once lived in the presence of God. In fact, God is the Father of our spirits, and that is why we call Him Father. We have divinity within. There are two things that we should learn on this earth. One, the mind of God. Two, the will of God. Mind and will could be interchangeable, but for convenience, I should like to separate them. For definitions, I prefer to use synonyms. Let me give synonyms for mind. Intellect, cognitive function, consciousness, cognitive abilities, comprehension, perception, disposition, temperament, nature, inclination, proclivity, propensity, viewpoint, intention. The following are synonyms for will. Determination, resolve, willpower, motivation, drive, spirit, force. Will has one tremendously important attribute that separates it from mind, free will. Other synonyms are volition, choice, discretion, intent, desire, preference, purpose, commitment. From the term will also derives willful, deliberate, calculated, and willing, disposed, enthusiastic, eager, and willingly, without hesitation, with pleasure. Consider will as a synonym for consciousness and mind as a synonym for critical thinking. Those are two essential attributes to identity. It is what gives us self, what sets us apart, what gives us individuality. It is what makes you, you. Our mind and will sets us apart from other humans. Our divine nature sets us apart from animals. Mind is the eternal nature that comprehends our environment, as well as our own existence. Will is the driving force that motivates us to action, to progress, to go forward. Mind and will self-exist. They cannot be created or destroyed. It is convenient to refer to both mind and will as intelligence. Not excluding perfection, what separates us from God is degree of intelligence. What separates us from animals is potential. God is the most intelligent being there is. That is why he is God. Omniscience is perfect intelligence. God is omniscient. Therefore, he has all power, all knowledge, and all wisdom. Our intelligence contains our potential, that which we call self. God gave our intelligence a spirit body, and our spirit body a physical body. That is why he is our Father, and our Creator, and our God. Intelligence cannot be created or destroyed, else how do you account for the existence of God? He could not create himself, or something could come from nothing. In summary, then, the single most important distinction between the intelligence of God and the intelligence of man is this. God is omniscient, or all-knowing. He knows the past the present, and the future. Omniscience makes him omnipotent. He is comprehensive. 
He comprehends everything. He comprehends all his creations and is mindful of them all the time. His creations are all numbered. If you can imagine not only counting the stars, but comprehending them and being mindful of them, you can, in a small way, comprehend God. The most important of his creations is his children, those whom he created in his likeness and in his image. He is mindful of every one of us all the time. He knows us by our first name. We pray not to make God mindful of us, but to make us mindful of God. God is always mindful of us. One way we solidify our relationship to God is through personal prayer. In the book of Revelation, we learn, Revelation 5.8 And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. One of the synonyms we used above for mind is consciousness. God is the omniscient consciousness. He is aware of everything all the time. He is the quintessential intelligence. Intelligence is the very essence of God because he is the greatest intelligence of all. It follows that consciousness or intelligence is eternal, made of eternal matter, and cannot be created or destroyed. Intelligence has always existed. What, for example, can create intelligence? Consciousness must self-exist or something would come from nothing. If we equate consciousness with mind and intelligence, we begin to see that God had no origin. He always existed as a consciousness or intelligence. It must also be true that we also always existed as a consciousness or mind or intelligence. Intelligence can be increased but not created. It must self-exist, or existence makes no sense. There is one law of the universe that cannot be denied. Something can never come from nothing, not even God. There can be no first cause to intelligence, or something could come from nothing. If something can come from nothing, then everything is a mere will of the wisp, a chimera. I am reminded of Shakespeare's The Tempest, Prospero, the necromancer, and his daughter are marooned on a mysterious island ruled by magic and governed by Prospero. Through magic, Prospero causes the king's ship to wreck, also marooning the king and the king's son, as well as Prospero's evil brother and others on the island. Prospero is speaking to his future son-in-law, Ferdinand, the king's son, after watching a pageant performed by spirits of the island. You do look, my son, in a moved sort, as if you were dismayed. Be cheerful, sir. Our revels now are ended. These are actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits, and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-clapped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, ye all which it inherit shall dissolve, and like this insubstantial pageant faded. Leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. It is ironic, but that is the world imagined by theoretical physicists, because they believe that we live in an accidental universe, that the earth, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherit, shall dissolve back into nothingness. 
They teach that there is no God and no intelligent design, that something can come from nothing, that everything began with a big bang and will end in a giant heat death or a big freeze. Whether the big bang occurred or not is debatable, and science will continue to study the origins of the universe. But I reject entirely the idea that the universe is accidental. I affirm that both man and earth and all the peopled planets out there in this vast universe were created by intelligent design, and that intelligent designer is God. How he created the universe, well, science can continue their studies, but it will still come to intelligent design. There are temporal laws and temporal things that will return to disorganized matter, but there are spiritual laws and immortal things that will live forever in an unchangeable state. We have immortal spirits created by God, and in that spirit he placed our immortal intelligence. Then he created a mortal body after the likeness of our spirit, and in that mortal body he placed our immortal spirit. Therefore, we are in the image and likeness of God. There has never been a time when we were not conscious. We came to earth to gain faith to exercise free will and agency, and to learn to become more like God while alienated from his presence. Only in an atmosphere of uncertainty can faith grow. Therefore, we discover God not through the physical senses, but through the Spirit. In Psalms we read, Psalms 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. We were placed on this beautiful blue planet for a reason. God can bless us with mercy, love, and truth, but only when we ask him. He will not violate our agency. He is always there for those who seek him. When we were born on this earth, a veil was drawn over our minds, causing us to forget our premortal life with God, causing us to forget that we lived in heaven with God and angels, that we are the children of God with a divine nature. That veil was necessary for us to develop faith. We are still surrounded by angels, but of course we cannot see them. It would take away our agency, or worse, it would condemn us for denying that which we saw with our own eyes, leaving us without excuse. One of the greatest things we can do on this earth is to learn the mind and will of God through faith and scripture study, and to strive to be like Him. Christ was sent to earth to be our model our Savior and Redeemer, our Judge and Advocate with the Father. We were condemned by the law of justice until Christ, through His atonement, instituted the law of mercy, which overpowers justice if we meet the conditions set forth by Christ and His apostles and prophets. The primary purpose of Christ is to protect, perfect, sanctify, and resurrect us so that we can return to live with Him in the holy city spoken of by John the Revelator. Revelation 21, 1-2 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Sometimes we demand more of God than is good for us. We are so used to instant gratification that we want to bypass the plan of salvation and have God remove all obstacles, letting us live in nirvana. In other words, we want to return to the Garden of Eden and live in paradise. We must remember 
that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not know joy because they did not know sorrow. They couldn't have children because they didn't even know they were naked. Eden was not the paradise we imagine. It was without opposition. Therefore, they could not discern between good and evil. They could gather information, but could not obtain knowledge and wisdom. For agency to exist, they had to be able to distinguish between Christ and Satan, good and evil, moral and immoral. Some blame God for the suffering in the world. Sorrow in the world is caused by broken laws. God is bound by the law of justice. That is why he sent his only begotten son into the world, so that we could be saved by the law of mercy. However, the law of mercy has conditions. To remain God, God must remain perfect. He is bound by the law of justice all the time. Mercy satisfies justice. Mercy does not replace justice. Both are necessary. There is nothing in our lives that is too trivial for God. He invites us to come to him in sincere prayer. God may not always remove our burdens when we ask him, but he will always strengthen our backs so that we can bear them and sometimes not even feel them. Sometimes we want God to remove the effects when he wants to help us remove the cause so that we can learn wisdom and avert future problems, perhaps even of heavier weight. Sometimes we want God to remove the load when God wants instead to increase our strength and to give us wisdom. Relief lies in easing burdens, not always in removing them. But God is not just strengthening us so that we can bear our load. He is strengthening us so that we, in his service, may also bear the load of others. The voice of authority comes only from those who have been there. Empathy requires requisite suffering. Increased strength, stronger faith, firmer resolve, and amplified wisdom lie in understanding laws and overcoming burdens. When we can carry the burden no further, he will carry us, with the burden still strapped on our backs, which we can no longer feel. No prayer is unheard, and no sincere prayer is unanswered. We must seek to recognize the answer. It is as important to discern the voice of the Spirit as it is to hear the voice of the Spirit. His answer is always connected to his purpose. Know the mind of God, and you will always recognize his hand. Know the voice of God, and you will always discern his mind. Align your desires with the will of God, and you will always succeed. You may think that God is punishing a sinner, but often he is simply shooting across the bow to warn of impending danger. Sometimes we think God is punishing us when he is actually building an heir to be a ruler in his kingdom. Paul reminds us, See Hebrews 12, 1-13. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? We must be allowed to choose our own destiny. We must be allowed to stand or fall on our own choices. We must be allowed to live by faith and to stand for truth. We must be allowed to choose freedom through agency. It was ordained by God before the foundations of the world. If we place our trust in God, He will sift through our wants and grant us our righteous desires. It is better to have one small gift from God that we can develop and perfect through arduous labor 
than to have a thousand wishes granted in full flower. A plucked rose soon wilts. A rose bush produces perennially. The key to spiritual success is for us to subordinate our mind and our will to the mind and will of God, who is omnipotent and omniscient. The road may be rockier, but the outcome will be glorious beyond description. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.